Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I am talking with survivor Dr. Joyce Michael Flynn about the anatomy of a survivor. If you're enjoying this podcast series, please be sure to check out my Patreon page to help support my advocacy work for just $5 a month and receive exclusive content at patreon.com slash Amy Zellmer. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Drs. Shane Stedman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years of combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, and more. For a free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, an author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I'm editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast series at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. I also invite you to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Joyce Michael Flynn. She is a marathoner and triathlete. And in 1990, she survived a sudden death event requiring 22 minutes of CPR to return to life. Already a nurse practitioner and dismayed at the focus of her recovery and what was presented in the aftermath of her trauma, her mind emphasized the negative, painting a bleak future. However, her master's and doctoral research focused on post-traumatic growth, and she created a strength based clinical pathway guiding survivors toward a productive recovery and PTG. A professor at CSUS, she speaks nationally and internationally on trauma, focusing on resilience and post-traumatic growth. With multiple publications, her work and research continue to provide strength and hope for those who suffer in the aftermath of trauma. Dr. Michael Flynn received her Bachelor of Science in Nursing from the University of San Francisco, a Nurse Practitioner Certificate from the University of California, Davis, and her Master's of Science in Nursing at Sacramento State University, and she completed her Doctor of Education. Her book, Anatomy of a Survivor, Building Resilience, Grit, and Growth After Trauma, is available on Amazon. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Michael Flynn. So happy to have you here. Oh, my gosh. I'm so proud and um, honored to be on the show. Thank you so much, Amy, for having me. 
Absolutely. I'm excited to have you here. You were on, um, I think we figured out you were here in 2018. So it's exciting to have you here again in 2021 and just see how far you've come even in just the last few years. Um, I think we're ever, ever evolving. Um, No matter, you know, where we start from, we're all constantly evolving. So, Dr. Michael Flynn, why don't... (laughs) Yes. Um, Why don't you start by sharing what happened and how you acquired your brain injury? Okay. So um, listening to your intro, you had a traumatic brain injury from a fall. My brain injury occurred because of the extended CPR that I was going through as a result of um, uh, an accident that that I had. So I was at a swim meet with my husband and my children, and we um, there was an adult swim kind of fun relay. I have no memory of this. This occurred on a Sunday, and um, I kind of remember things on a Friday night. I kind of remember some things going on, but I don't remember anything about the event or actually two weeks afterwards. But I was told that I grabbed my husband, a couple of friends, and said, come on, let's go swim this, and I'm going to swim the last leg of the relay because I'm the fastest. And, you know, so off we went. I swam the last leg of the relay. I finished at the side of the pool that was 13 feet deep. And they recognized that um, once I finished, I went down to the water. And they realized that I wasn't surfacing. So my husband dove to the bottom of the pool um, and got me to the side. And very luckily, since there were a lot of children there, there were also a lot of parents there. And a couple of those parents were emergency room physicians and a cardiac nurse specialist, whatever. And I received over 20 minutes of CPR on the pool deck. And then they lifelighted me to the hospital, to UC Davis Med Center, And I was told that my heart stopped again in the helicopter. They got it going. And that's when I ended up in an ICU on a respirator for about a week or so. And then I transitioned. But, again, I have no memory of that at all. Um, Mm -hmm. The first memory I have is completely being in a step-down unit in the hospital where I had no IVs, I had nothing going on, and just sitting up in bed one time and seeing my brother and sister-in-law at the end of the bed and saying, where am I and why am I here? And so that kind of started out a tough road ahead. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially your brain injury was a result of um, lack of oxygen uh, to your brain, exactly. correct? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It really of the, yeah, because of the extended CPR. However, I have to say, I mean, I've seen other people who have had these kinds of events, and I just feel very blessed that I have come back as far as I have come back um, mm-hmm. because it's, it's a tough one, you know, so. Yeah. And and were they able to figure out what actually had happened, what caused your heart to stop? That's a, that's a great question, and the answer to that is no. And that was, <laughs> really, that was at first really troubling to me because I was young. I was 35 years old. 
I didn't smoke, don't drink, alcohol, mm-hmm. uh, was a very active person. Um, but uh, they, you know, I obviously had a lot of different tests done, and they could never come to a direct conclusion as to what happened moment that caused my heart to stop. And um, But that's been 30 years ago, and I'm pleased to say I have not had any problems since that time either. So, yeah, very, yeah, very so interesting. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've met several other survivors who basically had sudden cardiac deaths, um, and uh, fortunately, they're still here as well. Um, but yeah, definitely um, quite scary. And you know, you have no recollection of it, but you know, the people around you at the time do. So um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're glad yeah, we're glad you're here and and on your path. Um, so tell us more. So at the time you were a nurse practitioner, um, correct? Correct. And so how, um, you eventually went on to receive your doctorate and, you know, and everything else that you've accomplished. Um, but what did the path look like in the beginning? I know you mentioned, um, you only saw the negative in things. Um, and I think that's super common. I see it a lot um, with TBI survivors. You have to go through this period of like anger, resentment, negativity. Um, how did you find a way past that? Well, I, I really appreciate you speaking about the transition into that. And so, but I, I just want to, um, I did not necessarily see as much as the, in the negative as the people, as the clinicians and some of the physicians I was working with because I I kept wanting to get back into things. When can I run? When can I swim? When can I do this? And I was always being told things I couldn't do, which is really what motivated me and drove me to saying to this doctor, I am living what I can't do. I need you to tell me what I can do. I need you to ask yeah. me what I want to do, and your job is to get me there. And that's really motivated me forward. But I will tell you this, and I, and I love your program, because there is some unique act to when you have a brain injury. And that is, um, you, you know, it's so frightening at the moment because you don't know what you're going to get back. The other thing, too, is you can look good. I mean, physically, I looked good, okay? I came through this physically well, but I knew inside my head I wasn't right, and nobody was addressing that, and that's a very, to me, such a frightening, scary time because I just felt like I was living in a fog, for a period of time, and I remember seeing one of the doctors who resuscitated me. This is probably two months, maybe or so, after I got out of the hospital. And he said, "Hey, how are you doing?" And I said, "You know, physically, I am getting better. I, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling more energized. I'm feeling better. But the problem is, I think I have a brain injury, and nobody prior to this ever addressed that with me. Oh, wow. Yeah, he sort of laughed, and he said, look it, look it, you're an athlete. You know when you have an injury to, an athletic injury, you have to rehab that injury. 
he said, you're going to have to rehab your brain. You have to rehab your brain. And as soon as he said that, I went, oh, that's why they had me go see a speech therapist. Because the other thing, I could also, I could speak, but I had horrible aphasia. I couldn't Mm -hmm. capture words. I didn't remember. I didn't really remember. I didn't recognize my own children and my husband in this place. Things were bad. And so once he said that, I thought, okay. So I really, in earnest, went and said, what do I need to do? And so I did go back to the speech therapist I was working with, or speech or communication specialist, I guess they call, they're called now. Um, I did go to cardiac rehab, which was great, getting me to exercise again. And I decided that in order to get my brain back, I'll go back to the school I went to to get my nurse practitioner certificate, and I just asked them, can I sit in class? Can I just sit in classes again and listen? And so I really pushed it in that way. But it was a re- I just have to say, um, for all your listeners out there, you know, hang in there because it's a tough thing to go through. How much am I going to get back? Is this ever going to get better? Am I going to feel clear again? Am I going to feel like I did before? And that to me was probably the toughest part of coming back. But, um, yeah, I had to work. Mm-hmm. Definitely had to work. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's interesting. I I have had um, uh, Ben Utak, who was, um, an NFL Super Bowl champion. Um, he had a career-ending concussion, but he talks about um, how he struggled to get his memory back and his reading. It was hard to read; like it hurt. It hurt his eyes to read. And he talked a lot about how, as an athlete, as a professional athlete, you know, he was used to okay, I I tore my ACL or I twisted my ankle or whatever the injury was, you had to PT it and work through it and rehab and yeah, it hurt and it sucked, but you had to do it to, to get to gain back all your mobility and how the brain is the same. We have to work through it and rehab it to get it back. Um, and so I think it's so fascinating how athletes have such a different outlook on brain injury recovery um, from just, you know, the average person who has never had to necessarily rehab an injury. Um, So thank you for sharing that because I think that that's really an important, um, you know, people want a quick fix or they want their doctor to just give them a pill or tell them just a single exercise to do. And that's just not how it's going to work. You have to put in the, you have to put in the effort and it's, gonna hurt and suck in the beginning (laughs) I know for me it it was hard but once you start seeing gains um you know it it's like oh okay this is working um yeah so thank you for sharing that because I think um that's an often overlooked piece of recovery yeah I, I just always like to stress too and this is you know, thank you for mentioning my book, and I'll throw it, you know, my book that just came out, Anatomy of the Survivor. One of the things that I have learned through over time, with my, starting with my own experience, and then over time, the research that I've done, and in what I, you know, the courses that I've taken and taught and all that, the focus has to be 
on what it is you can do. What can I do? What can I do? Well, here are some things you can do to move you mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. And it is a full-fledged thing. Like I said, I did go back to cardiac, so I got back into exercise. And exercise is an important aspect to brain health and function. I didn't drink alcohol. That's a huge thing yes. I tell people. You've got to just, you cannot do anything that's going to be distressful or disruptive to a healing brain. Um, I did, like I said, went back to a therapist. I did, you know, I read. You did things that you could. And I like how you mentioned um, uh, the football player because one of the things I did recognize is that my brain would get fatigued, and I had to learn to stop and rest it, you know, getting appropriate Mm -hmm. rest. Because just like when you have a physical injury, you're coming back and it gets fatigued, that muscle gets fatigued or whatever. Your brain can do that. So you need to stop and rest, get good sleep. There's all these things you can do that will facilitate the healing process that happens not overnight, but over time. Because we do know, you know, I luckily one of the courses I teach at Sacramento State University is an introductory course into neuroscience. And what we do know about the brain is it is plastic. It is not set. It can be changed. It can be healed. There can be alternative neural pathways that occur, but they don't do it in, you know, without any effort. It's just like biceps. If you want stronger biceps, you can't sit around hoping you're going to get stronger biceps and pray for that. Prayer is an important thing, but you also have to work those biceps. And when they get tired, you stop and rest them. And your brain is the same thing. Those connections will occur, but they take you doing different strategical things to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Michael Flynn, Let's go back a moment to um, when I brought up how people often have um, a negative outlook after their brain injury. Um, And I know this has been a big area of what you deal with is the post-traumatic growth. And let's, let's bring it down a little bit. What, you know, what does post-traumatic growth mean and how does this benefit somebody going through brain injury recovery? Well, um, post-traumatic growth is not something that I coined. Uh, Dr. Tedeschi and Lawrence Calhoun are two researchers who coined the term post-traumatic growth, and they developed what they called the five domains of post-traumatic growth. And that is, you know, a heightened sense of spirituality, better relationships, new opportunities, those types of things that occur, not again overnight, but in the, uh, over time in the aftermath of a struggle. The key thing, and I think this is one of the things that um, can help people when they're going through um, you know, distressful thought processes around this. The key thing is you must engage, you must directly engage with the trauma in order to achieve this sense of post-traumatic growth, this sense of I, I know more, I understand more, I'm better as a result of going through this. It's not most of the time these challenges and adversities are not something we choose. 
most of the time they are chosen for us. For whatever reason, that's the whole new, that's a whole other thing. But they are chosen and we um, have to work it. We have to work the problem. We have to engage with the situation in order to come out with this notion and this sense of growing in the aftermath of the traumatic experience. So, again, my using the um, example of biceps, you have to engage in the process of getting stronger biceps in order to do that. So with post-traumatic growth, again, you engage into that to get stronger and have this growth experience. And that is a multidimensional aspect. The one thing, too, is, like you talked about the negative thing, I have to tell you, I was very depressed. I was very depressed after this. My life had changed. I, I wasn't, it wasn't supposed to do that. I hadn't made this choice to change. My life had changed. I wasn't sure whether it was going to come back. It was a tough time. And I got extra help for that. I went to a therapist. So I always tell people, look, it, this is a tough time for you to move through. And there are times when you're going to need extra and special help on an emotional level to move through this too. And once you keep, again, focusing on what you can do, and this is a critical thing for your family and friends as well, they can help support you. You know, I found out about this. When, like I heard the, the front part of this talk with you. All, they need to get in touch with people like you and what your organization does. So you constantly look at what I can do, what's out there to give me help, and you move in that direction. So you move away from the negative and more into the I can, I'm getting traction, and things are I, my future is a little brighter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you talked about how your doctors kept telling you what you can't do instead of what you can do. Um, and I think that's really unfortunately all too common for people um you know and yours was 30 years ago right and Mm -hmm. i know that things have drastically changed but i think we're still a little bit in the dark ages with our doctors and i you know i think it's because they really don't understand first of all um your traditional healthcare providers haven't received nearly enough education on brain injury um you know even though it is 2021 um right. but you know we're often told things like i i know i was told at my one year mark that this is the best you're probably going to get and you just have to accept it and at that point, I already knew um, that, that that wasn't true, that that was antiquated information. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's so frustrating that that's still the things that they're telling people and that they still say you can't do this or that. And, you know, who's to say what we can do, no matter what type of injury we've had? Like, you know, there, there's always a chance that you'll be able to do it again. Um, so why, why limit people? You know, I, I just think it's so unfortunate that um, people are having limits put on them, or maybe even it's their families telling them you can't do that. And I think that happens an awful lot too. Um, like, Oh, you can't do that. Or no, I'll do that for you. Um, when, you know, having the person do it is, 
the best thing you can do. They might, it might take them five times longer than if you just did it. Um, it, it might be frustrating, but you know what? It's helping building neuro. It's helping to rebuild neurons and synapses in your brain. Um, neuroplasticity is an incredible thing. Um, so yeah, I just think it's so unfortunate people that are told what they can't do versus what they can do. Um, and I think that's what drives what I do, um, trying to get the resources into people's hands. Um, cause there are, there's so many providers out there who do know how to help us. Um, and you know, it's just a matter of finding them. Um, and so I know that you are doing some research, um, Tell us a little bit about your integrative research that you're doing and what you hope to see come from that. Well, um, thank you for bringing that up. Yes, I actually, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a professor at Sacramento State University, and we started doing some interprofessional collaborations, which are so powerful. And I am on an interprofessional collaboration that is dealing with concussions and TBI. And on our team, I, as a nurse practitioner, we also have a physical therapist and also a speech and communication specialist. And so we are beginning to, first and foremost, start out with um, content and information to help the people in our community because Sac State has a um, uh, a clinic of sort, a clinic that has a variety of because we have different health and human services there. Um, so we have a clinic. So one of the things that we're specializing in is providing information on concussion and TBI, um, information for the person, information for families, and then also we are moving into doing some research and looking at the notion of people who have had a concussion or TBI and coming back. And are they experiencing heightened resilience and even post-traumatic growth as in the aftermath of their injuries? So I'm involved in a research project around that. But it's really, at this point, we really want to get information out to people about, again, this is not an end point. It is a beginning point. And one of the things that you talked about that I, you know, is people have learned so much more about the brain I think initially people thought that in order to um, heal, you know, you had to basically put the brain, you know, to sleep, get a rest and rest and rest. And we know that that's not necessarily the best thing to do. A good thing to do is to engage the brain in activities that get it better, bigger and better. Mm -hmm. So my work is working on the level of providing content information to people but then in addition to that, um, we're going to start to really look at, hey, if people go down this pathway, if they're exposed, do they three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, do they have an experience of resilience in the aftermath of this and then a growth experience? Mm-hmm. Well, and Dr. Michael Flynn, we are just about out of time, um, and I would like to wrap up 
by asking you what, you know, what are your final words of wisdom for our listeners? What final thoughts do you want to leave them with? Um, you know, especially somebody who's listening that's still early in the recovery and, um, you know, early in on their journey and trying to figure out the best path for their recovery. That's a, that's a great question. So when you're just starting out, realize that life has changed, that you must take control, getting the help of people around you, take control of the healing process. It starts by making a choice because it's all about choice that you are going to move forward and you are going to not let this take you over, but you are going to take it over and get the extra help that you need on a variety of levels, from spiritual to psychological and then also to brain rehab levels. And I always tell people, it's kind of in my book, I always end up each chapter with saying, you got this. You know, you got this. So take control, make good choices, surround yourself with good people, and continue to focus on what you can do. Great, great advice. So, Dr. Michelson, Flynn, thank you so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure as always. And I do have um, a clickable link in the show notes to your book, Anatomy of a Survivor, Building Resilience, Grit, and Growth After Trauma. Um, So anyone listening, you can go right to the show notes and click through to purchase her book on Amazon. Um, And just thank you again so much for being here today and taking the time to share your story with our listeners. Thanks, Amy. And if I could just do a little shout out, if you want to go on my website to see more, you can go to dr jmf.com so Joyce Michael Flynn drjmf or follow me on Instagram because I talk about things at dr.jmf so thank you so much Amy for this opportunity I really I feel honored and I'm very thrilled to be able to um, speak with you and get this information out to people who need it Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you again so much for being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Um, Just another big thank you to our sponsor, Integrated Brain Centers. Find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. And you can always find previous episodes on most streaming platforms such as iTunes or directly at facesoftbi.com. And you can support the podcast for just $5 a month through my Patreon at patreon.com slash Amy Zalmer. And be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. And also join me in Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook. Thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you in the next episode.